0: by two brothers, Victor. You must remember those words. Gordon is Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay?
1: Uh, I'm okay. I, I, I like to get high by sniffing uh, poison fumes out of meteorites. Yeah. Uh, so if I take a break during this episode, that's what I'll be doing. What about you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I've got my pot of the synthetic food um, <laughs> aside and ready to go. So, uh, yeah, I'm all ready to be talking about Quatermass 2. Uh which is what we're going to be delving into today We had the discussion, it was agreed We did the Quatermass experiment not long ago And uh, we're going to finish What I consider to be the sort of The Hammer Quatermass trilogy um, There is A final Quatermass story It was done by the BBC as Quatermass And con- tr- uh, truncated into a film Called The Quatermass Conclusion But we won't be doing that because It doesn't fit in with this But this is Quatermass 2 from 1957 And um, and uh, it tells the story of, uh, of Quatermass and his his rocket group uh, and, I don't know, a subversive alien invasion, really. Um, I also watched the TV show in preparation for this to make some comparisons and we'll be talking about that. But first off there, Julian, Quatermass 2, what were your thoughts, your, your initial thoughts on this film, especially in comparison to the others we've watched?
1: Well, yeah, I've thought about that. It's a fascinating question. I, I think that it feels, I don't know, I think all three of them feel slow to modern mm-hmm. sensibilities. Um, but I think that in some ways I like this more, at least in the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, I think it's interesting how it's a sort of, uh, it, it's fascinating how much it reiterates from the first one. And also prefigures
0: the third one.
1: Mm. Uh, you know, they're sort of like all drafts of very similar stories. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I get. It, it feels like Nigel Neal is perfecting something with these. Um, and uh, yeah, but th- this one more than the first one. Like the first one, it feels like a straight sci-fi story. You know, it's sort of uh, Quatermass sent a rock up into space, and you know, upon its return back, something. Um, infected and sort of mutated the, the the astronauts and they've got to take that out it's, it's, it's a relatively straightforward Sci-fi story This one to me Has much more of a A stab at like we were talking Just off air about sort of uh, creations that have Got a bit more satire or bile driven behind Them this feels like It has a point like there's something like There's something poking at British Society with this one like this post-war Society um, as well as sort of like government bureaucracy, um, this one feels a bit more pointed to me, and I, I like it. I really enjoy this film. Another thing, more than that, Brian Dunleavy um, is, is less less horrible in this one than he is in the <laughs> Um Well, I
1: want I want you to elaborate on sort of you know how it's it's poking at British society, uh, but I but I want to say that um, I felt like. I, I feel like of the three, this is the one that is more of an action movie. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, it's really the first act, uh, you know, him escaping from the complex where you're like, oh, Quater Mass is dodging machine gun fire now. <laughs> you know, like We're in James Bond territory. Um, and that's not really territory that the first one or the third one really go to. Um so that was very different, and I also felt like because of that and because, uh, you know, he's had his plans for the base, you know, stolen, and he's up against it and he's being fired at right from the start, it justifies uh, Dunleavy's portrayal of the arrogant Mass a mm-hmm. lot better than the first one did. You know, I understand why he's got to be a dick, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, much better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this um, yeah, yeah, good point, actually. Is it, his, is it his portrayal that's changed, or is it the sort of the scope of the film that's changed that actually makes it more acceptable for him to be a bit of a dick? I don't know. That's interesting. Um, you write them about the action in this, and that actually comes from a direct as a direct thing from the BBC. Um, hmm. uh, but the first film is or the first TV program and the first film were more of a mystery you know there, there was some you know it was more of a, a sci-fi horror um than anything i think there was there was notes that it was it was a little slow and so that they do inject more action into this that's not to say that the horror's gone there's some real interesting moments and in even the sort of the the concept of this i find fascinating in that horror sort of sci-fi horror set. but the, yeah they, they they introduced a lot more action i would say that the um the opening of this film um and the reason for inserting Quatermass into this story, um, in the film, it's all coincidence. Like, I'm not entirely sure where Quatermass is coming or go- coming from or going to, but he's traveling some 80 miles away from the rocket base that he lives and works at, and just so happens to come across a, pair, a, a couple. Uh, the car careens off the road, and he finds that the driver, the young man, has got a uh, a boil on his face or a mark on his face. And they, they have this shell, this, this meteorite. And so that sort of kicks it off. Uh, It's all coincidental. It's all that sort of thing in the TV series, which is, you know, it's a bit more drawn out. They have six episodes. Each one's a half hour long. It's a military base uh, in the, in the sort of Northwest, Northeast, sorry of England um, that sees these on rate on a radar training mission. Um so they've got these radar training bases set up and they spot them and they're like, Well what the hell is that? And someone actually tells them, Don't ask questions. You're not supposed to see these things and you're not supposed to ask any questions, suggesting that they've already infiltrated the military. Um But a captain sort of uh, who again doesn't really appear in the f- in the show, uh, uh sorry in the film, um, f- comes across one uh, and in when he's out and so, and then he's like I've got someone I, I've worked with in the past who I think would be interested in this and then takes it to Quatermass. Hmm. And it feels a lot more natural that he's like, this is weird. I've got it. I've come across it. I've got to take it and, and then brings Quatermass in. And it feels a lot more natural. Takes a little while. Um But yeah, and, and it's sort of a, a bit like with the first one, like it impacts in a British farm and the farmer and his wife get infected and all this other stuff. So um it, it, so they they clearly had to speed this. You said about this being slow, but they clearly had to speed it up than the, the TV show. Uh, and there's a couple of things in this that, again, I'll make comparisons as we go through to the to the TV show. Um, but I much prefer the the kickoff to the TV show than I do to the film.
1: Yeah, it makes more sense. I mean, the, the other thing that is worth pointing out is that they they have some asteroid that they somehow are able to monitor, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. That should be another indication. Like that <laughs> asteroid is there. It should they should notice that and that should be another indication. Something's up that doesn't necessarily initiate the plot and get you to that base, but you know, you you'd think that the writers could come up with a way of doing that.
0: Yeah, it, it feels a little bit because again, in the show. Um, they they basically they are, they're not looking there. They acknowledge like, oh, space is really big, and we're not actually looking there at the moment. And they get then they redirect the radar. Like there's some drop lines to it, which explains it more. Um, and it, it, you know there's a couple of other bits because one of the big things in the TV show actually, which is really interesting, that's not really it. It's picked up in the, um, the the film. Oh, because the thing where Quatermass is coming from, he's been to see the minister because they've had a conversation about the future of the Rocket Group and they're going to be shut down. They're not going to give him any more money. In, in because they say that the, the, it's never quite clear. They say it's because the rocket doesn't work, and the, that's the Quatermass Two. So he's even named the Rocket after himself. <laughs> um, in the TV show, you find out that they actually this isn't the Quatermass Two, uh, the rocket, uh, because there was another ship that they tried to launch, and they're using this. They keep referring to it as the nuclear engine. Oh, the nuclear propulsion, and actually they w- they were going to launch it out of the Australian outback, uh, and so they l- they attempted this this prototype rocket, and instead of launching, it exploded, and set off a nuclear weapon basically in the Australian outback, killing a number of people. So that's where the British government are basically saying, well, quite a massive You've you know you've basically set off a nuclear weapon in Australia. We're not entirely sure we're comfortable with this thing sat in the English countryside. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so we're shutting you down until you can prove it's rugged. And then that ship, which again, that the ship with the nuclear engine becomes important at the end of the at the end of the story. So again, there's more setup in that first episode as to why all these things are happening. And in this, they're like, right, we've got five minutes, <laughs> bang them in as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. And so it's easy. It would be easy to miss certain things that I think become important later in the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think that after the, four, the first film or the first serial, that having done an unauthorized uh, rocket launch and yeah. endangered all of humanity, you know, nearly uh, an extinction-level event <laughs> might be enough that you don't need the atomic explosion in the outback. But I'm nitpicking. I will say for how much they sped it up, though, I'm a fan of getting to a gunfight
0: by yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes in you know yeah no I, and i agree and i you know i will say that that tv series runs at a 1950s tv show pace um mm-hmm. um you know I, I managed to watch it in a day um i binged it to get through it you know and it's good and i enjoyed it but yeah there are certain episodes where i'm like well if i could fast forward, like, i might if i knew what was coming i could fast forward through the boring bits but mm-hmm. um I agree, but I do like the fact that he is so, sort of, bothered by this straight away, that when he comes across this thing, he's like, I think we've got to look into this. This, this Winnerton Flats. We've heard this village is supposed to be there. They said it's not there. The girls it's not there anymore. And straight away, he's like, yeah, this doesn't add up. I want to go see this Winnerton Flats now. What What should be there? Um, so I do like that they get straight to it, and you know, you get, you get what you get, really. Um... So it it opens well. Yeah. And then you have this sort of long string of
1: like, I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to go to that other person. I'm going to go to this other person. And everybody dies or fails to act. Um, And it's sort of, you know, that that second, that long second act of, Mm. um, you know, figuring out what's really going on and sort of putting your team together to take action. I will say that, I mean, during that, it, it's cool to to be like, oh, OK, this thing has killed a member of parliament. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, uh, those are some stakes. Like, you know, even 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 as a uh,
0: as a yank, you know, <laughs>
1: I recognize, oh, no, that's that's some serious business.
0: Well, I love the fact that how this escalates this one was about British society, you know, and you've you, you know, you'll you'll sort of gently rib me for being. Uh, you know, <laughs> specific, specifically, very British about things. This film is incredibly British. Like, you know, the, it, like Quatermass's first thing is to go to like the local police. <laughs> He's like, you know, I must see the local chief of police to, to to talk about this thing where my friend was th- was kidnapped and I was threatened by machine guns. Well, yeah. and you know, like, I think I think that warrants a bit. If you if you're working for the government. Like, that would be my first call. But he's like, no, no, I should go to the local police. And the local police are like, oh, God, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Can't be bothered with this. But um, it's, clear that it's this first bit, though, and this is where I say it's sort of poked fun. Like I say, it's all very local. He goes to a local Bobby and it's, you know, this local sort of uh, you know, chief constable. But it's the localness of this that i find is very interesting you know it's the local police and they're like well here we don't do it that way you know well well, we've got an agreement with that plant you know we don't really bother we don't bother them and they don't bother us it's like what they've just kidnapped my friend and fired machine guns at me yeah well and it's the same as when he gets into the town and it's that thing again of the the and i should be careful with this but this idea of compliance and And almost like trade relations, or, or um, not trade relations, sort of um union relations, or something like that, where everyone in this small town, they don't have police because there's they're a great line with it, like, we don't need police. We're good people here. And it, it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of like Royston Vasey, you know, sort of like um League of the League of G- Gentlemen. But there's this thing of like, you know, and then they don't talk secrets. Oh, we don't tell secrets here. Just like in the war, you know, loose lips sink ships kind of thing. And it's just this this, this compliance with like, we don't know what that plant really does, but we all get jobs out of it. And that's all that matters. And like we get to live our lives in a local, small community. And we all work, apart from the zombies. I love the fact they refer to them as zombies. They're a bit weird and they live on the camp, on the, on the sort of the, the site. We, we don't ask questions. We go to work. We get paid, and we're happy. And, and obviously, when that that doesn't break, that breaks down later when one of their own is killed, um, or attacked. And it, you know, I I just find that really interesting. This sort of like poke at the localness of these communities and their willingness to, to comply with something that's clearly as sinister as fuck, <laughs> but they're like, yeah, but we get a job out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Is, is that Effective satire, or is that just? I don't think it's in... I'm
0: not sure if it's intended satire.
1: Yeah, I mean, so is that just a sort of narrative justification for why they haven't done anything? Um, I mean, it sort of reminds me of like uh, Stranger Things, where you say, mm. you know, you've got this, this, you know, government installation, you know, <laughs> on the edge of this quiet little mountain town, you know, or woodsy town um that's an enormous installation (laughs) like you know uh i i I don't know i mean i i I think like you know realistically i mean at least here in the states you know uh i would think you'd send a cop out you know you you know it'd be like oh yeah well you say they fired machine guns at you you know that doesn't sound good you know i will investigate this uh you know, I, I can't imagine the, you know, don't mess with that plant on the edge of town kind of mentality lasting that long.
0: Well, you, uh, the reason this felt um, prescient for me, and it, it, it sparked something in me, this idea if you don't mess with it because it works for us, mm. it, it came up with, so there was a disaster, and it's, it's, it's many years after this, so it obviously wasn't a satire of that because it came almost a decade later. But this reminded me of the disaster of the Aberfan mine in Wales. And it's okay because I was watching it in this small town because all over Britain, post-war, or all throughout the 20th century, these little towns or these villages popped up and they popped up near the place of work. So you'd have a mine and then you'd have the mining village. You know, I mean, one of the most famous and silly is the fact that, uh, uh, what's it, Bonville created Bonville. Where so the people could live next to the Cadbury factory, so they could all live there and work there, much like this situation of, you know, of course we'll build houses for you, but you literally, we literally own you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Aberfan in the nineteen sixty six, they'd all live. This village existed at the base of this massive mountain of slurry and not slurry, it's like uh, the the offshoot of all the mine and stuff, all the coal dust and all the slag and all the all this other stuff, and the, the village was just like, well, that's the mine. That's what the mine does. The mine feeds us. We don't mess with the mine until there was sort of rumblings of this thing. And they'd been sort of like, we don't mess with it. And the people have been involved. There's much like this. We don't talk about things outside because this, we've got to keep this as stable as possible until they gave a massive rain pour for several days. And that huge, huge slag heap collapses and kills 110 kids in a school. You know, it, it, it just rang—it just rang true to me. they like this, being British, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but this—I don't think it exists particularly now. I think it's been broken over time and by a conservative government. But I do feel there was a time when a local community was driven by the local work. You couldn't commute. It's not the same thing. You know, I've got a car, now. I can commute up and down the country if I wanted to. I can work remotely through these, you know, through computers. In them days you know in the sort of early into mid 20th century you worked where you lived and that felt to me there was this thing of this village was like protecting this community felt more important than the well i didn't give a shit about the country because i've got to i've got to still i've got to feed maureen and the kids you know and it's small-mindedness that sort of like you know that sort of the um about protecting what was theirs Rather than the bigger picture While Quatermass is going like <laughs> There's something clearly wrong here um, And and so it, it just sort of struck home a little bit to me Looking at older generations that I know That would have had this mentality And especially the guy That's sort of the jobs worth That's very much like loose lips sink ships You know we don't talk secrets here Because the plant have told us to If we want to keep our jobs You don't talk about the plant sort of thing It all felt very it, it felt like it, it would have existed, and maybe it's a maybe it's more present because I can look back on it. But I don't know. It felt, it felt true in a weird way.
1: Yeah, you've kind of talked me into this, um, and I don't know that it's particularly British. Um, you know, we have the same thing here. I, I associate it with a kind of fascist mentality, right? Mm. Um, and and it's true of. Um, It's true of mining towns here where you have these mines that just, you know, it's like, well, yeah, they've got a hundred safety violations and those are just what is on the record. Nobody has complained. No, you know, and and if the government comes in and says, yeah, you need to do something, the workers fight the government. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, that's our jobs. You're screwing with the mine, you know, and you look at, you know, and they say, well, this is our livelihood you're like, really? Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're, what'd your dad die from? Black lung. Okay, what'd your, what'd your granddad yeah. die from? Black lung. How old did they live? Ah, oh, one of them made them to the 50s. Right. And, yeah. you know, yeah, but that's what's putting food on the table for my my son and daughter. So, I mean, you do see that here. And, and that is true, still true today, um, where we've had mine disasters here. Um and uh, obviously, it's better than it was in 100 years ago. But, you know, and then I think of, like, the Gulf oil spill mm. where, you know, you have fishing communities that are like, yeah, you know, we don't care. Get your government hands off my fishing. You know, this is yeah. the town industry. We don't talk to outsiders. This is how it works. You don't understand what life here is like, you big city, you know, Washington dicks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's something to
0: that. Well, I, th- I think that
1: like you say it is true. It, it,
0: it is still probably relevant today because, you know, from an American point of view, I can think of the meatpacking plants where it was clear that COVID was running rampant and, and people were still like, well, I've still got to go to work because well, where else can I work? Like, you know, This is what keeps the town going. Um, and over here, we've currently got it with Brexit and fishermen. You know, well, I, yeah, I voted Brexit because I thought it was going to save my fishing community turns out maybe not the case and and, but that was what i was told i didn't care about anything else i was looking to protect my community and and it used you know it's this thing again i think it's driven a lot of this right-wingness at the moment this populism of like um this idea of community and going back to a better time and you know um uh, there was a fear of globalization i suppose from these small communities um
1: Right, and an that, it, outsider, you know, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But
1: you know, it is quintessentially fascist though, because mm. you know, the mentality is it's the outsiders that are the problem. It, you know, it's like uh, what used to be said, you know, what's good for Ford is good for America, right? Yeah. What's good for the mine is what's good for the town, right? What's good for this industry is what's good for the town. Uh well bullshit. Um, You know, where it becomes like the mind versus Washington or, you know, the government, whereas in reality, nobody is trying to shut this shit down. Right. Somebody just wants accountability. Like you realize that you, you know, like your stream is irradiated, like maybe Mm. the government needs to come in and it. Nope. You know, you're screwing with our our industry. Um, Yeah. The whole mentality is sort of twisted in that.
0: Well, again, you know, you you talk about uh, you know you again that, that mentality being twisted. And you talk about fascists and uh, this fascist mentality, that like you could easily take this as a fascist analog. This thing of this this production plant where people go to work, and they have these zombies, these people mm-hmm. that have been you know that they wear all wear a dark grey and black uniform, you know, hugely compliant, and they're all in there. They do their job and they go home. What do you do in your job? We don't ask. It's not important. I get paid. <laughs> I just do as I'm told. I'm following orders. It's not a far reach from that, especially in 57, to sort of, you know, to say, okay, well, this, this, you know, this what do they call it, like a quizzling. This thing is not just compliant. They're just, you know, we don't want to talk about it because it's protecting us. It's not a far leap from that to just to basically death camps is what I'm getting at. But, um, yeah.
1: Well, and it's interesting because the sort of like invasion of the body snatchers is so quintessentially seen as a communist parallel, right? Mm. So it would seem that I, I, I think the my scholar my scholarly bat batsen- spider sense goes off and says, "Oh, well, you know, see, this is the the communist invasion from you know these meteorites. It changes you in your mind, and you know." Except as you point out, this same Drone-like behavior can be seen as a critique of capitalism. Ooh. You know that in fact it doesn't. You know it might come from outside, but look at the way that capitalism is embracing of this. It's not necessarily a critique of the meteorite. It's a critique of oh yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> go to work for the aliens. We will. You know, look. We're happy to work in the mines. We're happy to worship the queen bee alien. You don't understand.
0: Yeah. She gives us jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We all have to, you know, we have to sacrifice off. one, you know, one of us has to be sacrificed every year to the wicker man, but these things have to be taken into consideration. Um, but the thing is, this comparison goes further, I think, because when, you know, when it doesn't quite work out with the local authorities, um, quatermas goes to the government he still has connections with the government he's still part of the ministry he's still doing this um the rocket group and stuff he goes to see his minister and when he goes to see them like you know the government are a bit like yeah look you know with this investment in is it's for synthetic food it'll actually be good for the economy it'll be good for britain you know it's, it's this thing of going as like, like you said we don't really want to rock the boat on this you know there's people above this above my station that are saying we carry on with this don't rock the boat apart from this one mp that's been given the rights to do uh, a personal you know an inquiry into this um but nobody really (laughs) listens to him and i love the fact that when he does come up he's like i've been given the runaround for a year like (laughs) no one's listening. this thing is so tarred in bureaucracy and hidden and all these other things and granted you do find that the aliens have, in, in, have in, you know, invaded and become part of the, the, the government, but I love the fact that like, yeah, they're keeping control not through mind control, not through you know threat and intimidation, just by forms and paperwork. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: um, and that's it. Like th- this invasion, the the British, the Quatermass invasion, uh-huh. happens literally because someone's like, oh, there's a lot of paperwork here. <laughs> <laughs> not sure i can be bothered to deal with that um and i I find that that, that, again bureaucracy comes up in this film again and again and it's they even the uh, the way they get into the plant is for a bureaucratic inspection Mm -hmm. and i love that there's something about that i just love that That's not it's not we're not storming the gates i'm not sneaking over the wall i mean that bit that comes later on but the first time they get in it's like, well, we have a pass, and we're going to have a proper look, and we've got a team of people that are going to have, a, you know, we're going to have an inquiry, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to be shown around, and it's all very nice and nice. And I just find that fascinating that, like, yeah, this is going to be a film about the failings of bureaucracy. Well, I like what you're saying, sort of
1: like the the aliens came to England because, yeah, you know, they are uh, they saw capitalism and bureaucracy yeah. as the means by which they could take over or prevent themselves from being stopped. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's the only way I can think about it. That's the only reason. I mean, again, because with the teeniest island, it's like, where, where else would they have landed in reality? Side fact, in the TV show, I don't think it's in the film, in the TV show, they, re- they, they highlight that the moon base, you know, the, 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 yeah. the thing, the equator, they find one in Brazil, and one in I think it's Siberia. So there's a recognition that this isn't the only one.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask that. Like, you know, why do these meteors only fall on the <laughs> UK? I mean, granted, it is God's chosen country,
0: but yep. you know. It is. It's beautiful out there. Beautiful. God's country. That yeah. God's country. No, I don't know. It's it's one of those and I always find this hilarious in films like this. So like, you know when these things happen, even this everything happens in America. Apart, you know, apart from Quatermass, where it happens to ha- it just <laughs> so happens to happen in Britain. Um, there's a reason. So in the in the TV series, they do they say there's like a reason that they're spread out across. So there's one in Brazil, one in the UK, and one in 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 Siberia, I think. And so they give it more of a justification of it being spread out. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is it is silly. Especially when you're like, it's on the coast as well. Not even central um britain so they're like yeah we're really really targeted our aim is incredible (laughs) because you've got this one village (laughs) in northeast england um well it's like
1: uh you know superheroes only happen in america right and uh you know as a as a doctor who fan you know aliens care about nothing more than infiltrating british parliament you know I mean, you, you, you fly to Alpha Centauri and it's all they're talking about is what's going on in Westminster.
0: Yeah, well, it, well if you watch Prime Minister's Question Time on Wednesday, it may have already happened. Um, oh. You know, there's some interesting characters in there. I love Question Time. America
1: should totally just adopt Question Time. Yes. You know, quite, you know, I, I love the, the conflict of it and the, the rowdiness of it, despite the politeness, you know. Uh, we're very rowdy in, in such a different way, you know. We, yeah. we fight back against the interviewer, but, you know, our interviewers are weak. Uh,
0: anyway, uh, no, that, that, no it, I mean, it is interesting to say that it happens in Britain and, and it, it, it is it, it's one of those things you can it's a little silly. But when you go, this was a BBC show, you sort of go, OK, it sort of makes sense. Um, well, but yeah, the thing about the
1: moon base, I like that there would be the moon bases. You know, you could kind of justify it in like, oh, well, clearly they need I don't know why they need Quatermass's moon base scheme. But, you know, so so but you could kind of justify it as like, well, Quatermass is important. We need his moon base plan. You know, the government has it. So we're going to start we're going to focus on on England. Um, having said that, like you know, I do sort of getting back to these themes of sort of capitalism and bureaucracy. I do love that they take, I mean, first of all, it's just weird that Quatermass discovers his own moon base (laughs) having been built. Like, that's (laughs) so weird and cool. But I also love, like, I love the concept of aliens treating us the way like, we have treated natives, uh, the way Mm -hmm. we have treated others. Um, You know, aliens arrive, I love stories where, like, aliens arrive to the planet and they're like, you know we'll give you some corn for manhattan you know uh will we'll we'll just you know oh who was i buying it from well you shouldn't have humans selling earth to us (laughs) um but uh you know so i love this idea of sort of like no the aliens are colonizing us we are the inhospitable climate that they need the moon base for that's quite a clever and delicious sort of turn
0: yeah i love that so yeah because it's sort of high again. I think there's a drop line in the film, but it, he says because he the thing that Quatermass highlights is the pressurized domes, and the ability to pass things between these domes. This is where people will live, but in they are utilising them to um, to they're using them to live in because they they, need, they live in a nitrogen-rich environment and rather than oxygen-rich. And all that all that, I love the again I love the aliens in this. You know they're not humanoid. It's they and. They possess people. They break in through the skin. They're like a parasite, and they're able to live inside people and sort of possess them. But they again, it's like they're a single mind. And when they do see them later on, I love Quatermass, it's like they're tight. they're these little creatures, but they can combine together to be a hundred foot tall. Um, and again, I love that. I love this idea of this like, you know, writhing mass of little creatures living in these domes and being fed this synthetic food and stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it's quite cool. And and we're both fans of sort of the alien alien, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that all three of these uh, films do well, right? Um, Clearly, these are, you know, completely uh, non-humanoid invaders, right? Mm -hmm. In all three. Then you've got the sort of like, there is that sort of invasion of the body snatchers element in the first one which is the the astronaut who comes back who you know is obviously sort of possessed and absorbed the other two um uh and then you know but here it's sort of done on mass um but then the ability of them to combine uh you know and and sort of become this horrible monster i guess it's it sort of recalls the the mass in the uh in the cathedral in the in the first Mm. uh but then it also sort of prefigures the the giant apparition in the sky in uh Mass in the pit.
0: Yeah, again you know again they're, they're sort of like I say drafts of different things. Um cause I I do like when they break out and they sort of you know these huge things they do cause I love miniatures I love miniatures when they do those effects. Um but they break out and the, the thing that takes them out is um the the atmosphere starts to take them out but then we'll get to the rocket in a little bit. Like again, it's that hive mind mentality takes them out. <clears throat> and I was a bit, we'll get to, the, we'll get, we'll get to the end, but I want to raise it now. One of the things we talked about with the last one was that it was small enough to have been a cover hmm. You know, there was, there was a <laughs> few, there were few enough people to involved for you to say, Oh, he, you know, it was the astronaut that came back, but he had sort of like PTSD from the flight or something like that. And it's, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. sort of thing. Right. With this, there's enough people to sort of probably cover up parts of it, but then you're also going to go. Well, they wiped out a village. <laughs> mm-hmm. We now know th- this plant is now covered in this mass of stuff um, that's going to have to be cleaned up. Uh, hundreds of people are now sort of without work because this plant is shut down. So the that local economy is gone. um th- This one seems a little harder to cover up. Um, But it also has one of my favourite lines um, at the end of this. Um, Going back to um, the bureaucracy we talk about, sort of like you have one of the ministers there or one of the people there, and he says about, um, uh, you know, um, writing his final report on this. (laughs) That's his concern. He's like, oh, I've got to to go back and write my final report on this. And Quatermass is, but how final can it be? in that thing of like, we don't know what happened out in space. Like my rocket hit it. We hope it seems to have had an effect. We do not know what is out there. And I kind of like that as an end note. I love the fact that they say, the guy's concern is I've got to write this up, which is crazy. (laughs) But then also Quatermass is going like, I'm not entirely sure this is over. Yeah. I mean, it struck me. I think that's a good
1: point, especially teasing the bureaucracy uh, theme. It struck me as sort of like, the end of the action movie where you know somebody you know the cop says like i'm not filling out the paperwork on this one <laughs> you know, yeah, to sort of like see, joke yeah. about that <laughs> I, I, but it seems sort of like I, I found that sort of last bit of dialogue unsatisfying for me personally because mm-hmm. i took that that I, I wasn't thinking of the bureaucratic theme as deeply as you are but you know so i took that as kind of the the cliche about paperwork and then Quatermass is sort of like, oh, really, is it, you know, sort of the end question mark? I found it to be almost like a shorthand version of the ending of the first one, whereas Mm. I find it more interesting that Quatermass is like, yeah, I almost extinguished the human race, but we're not going to stop sending rockets up, (laughs) you know. Like, I'm a visionary. (laughs) Elon Musk don't pay attention to that. (laughs) Um, I found that more interesting as a more interesting way of sort of, saying, what's coming next? Mm. Uh, whereas this is sort of like, yeah, well, you know, we don't know how many aliens are out there or how much of this goo is out there. Um, so I, I found this sort of almost like a shorthand version of of that ending from the first one.
0: I agree with you from from Quatermass's point of view, because it's that sort of thing of like, well, I'm going to carry on doing this stuff, regardless of how dangerous it is. <laughs> um but yeah, no, so I do find this. interesting. We'll get to the ship actually in a little bit because one of the things I find interesting as well in this, and it's sort of, again, it's it's fleshed out a little bit in the show, but there's something in this is they, the meteorites, they, they, there's, there is a mystery around the meteorites. So they sort of, um, you know, you see someone is, is, is infected by one and taken away, but you see that the, this this sort of uh, oval shape and there's ones that's broken up and then they put it back together and they're like, oh, it's a bit... Yeah, it looks like why does it why they've not shattered everywhere like you know why because they're hollow we see they're hollow so why are they not shattered everywhere um and then they sort of they put it together and using sort of and they acknowledge like using mathematics and sort of you know this sort of stuff they calculate what it would have looked like before it entered earth's atmosphere and it's like a little rocket a little yeah. stone rocket and, and you you can see them and they're like so it would have done this. And they actually sort of explained that, oh, well, because of the way it was probably spinning. And in which case it would have slowed its entry down. You know, like, oh, this is really interesting. And then, like, well, that would have taken you know, um, precision, which takes mathematics, which takes intelligence. And they're like, and there's a dawning on their face of, and they're like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, isn't accidental. These are targeted. And I kind of like that moment in the, in the, uh, in the film when there is that realization of like, Oh, this is bigger than we thought. Um, yeah. I
1: like that moment too. Although obviously the, the like meteorites shaped like rockets is so utterly laughably <laughs> absurd. And it's so laughably absurd that it's almost, that it is charming in its yeah. utter ridiculousness. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, in the best way of sort of 50s sci-fi, um, but you know, you were talking about the mystery and how this is sort of part of the mystery. Um, I found the the meteorites and the mark on the face. You know, like I mean, the mark on the face is one of the weaker elements of the whole thing. Uh, It sort Mm. of lets you. It's kind of necessary because you have to establish, like, see, the government is infiltrated.
0: You know, it's Um, needed for those, yeah it's needed for those reveal moments, isn't it? To show how you identify who and who isn't infected sort of thing. So yeah, it's used as a cliffhanger more than once in the TV yeah. series. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and it's also kind of like, you know, well, how, why would infection of these aliens produce that? It's a little sort of like Mark of the beast, mm. um, you know, which again, sort it kind of like prefigures the su- supernatural elements in the third one. Um, mm. But, um, you know, so I found, like, the, the gas coming out of a meteorite is not the most fascinating idea to me. I will say, like, the, but the overall mystery of sort of what's going on in this moon base that has been built, despite that I can't get funding to, get, <laughs> to actually build a moon base, um, seeing that built has got to be one of the biggest sort of mind Fs. Um, and then... The guy covered in oil, you know, or black substance—that is creepy. And saying mm-hmm. like, "Don't touch me, don't touch me" as he dies—that's some creepy stuff. I, 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 so I quite love elements of this mystery, even though I dig how actiony it is. But I do think there are parts of this mystery that really work well.
0: Yeah, I agree, I, I like that. Again, they go to this, they go have their inquiry, and they go to visit the plant, and that the MP, you know, shuffles off um and and again like you say it's creepy because i love you've got you've got like the tour guide who you know is you know very dapper and very well dressed and very well presented and he's trying to present this sort of like well everything's all right and of course i'm going to show you everything but you can't go in those because well it's a working plant and that area is dangerous um and that's where the mp goes and like you say, yeah, he comes out and, he, you know, when they find out he's missing and Quatermass comes off it and he, he, he comes down those steps. And the fact it's steaming as well, when he comes out of it, like it's steams coming off it. I don't know what they used. Pop, you know, this is, this is the 50s. They probably used tar for all I know. Um, yeah, it looks really good. And, like, you know, um, it, it really, I, I, I do like the the way this builds. Well, like, Because I like the fact that as well that Quatermass doesn't, he can't just put it together it's not like there's not like an aha moment like he keeps having to figure things out like it comes in stages um uh but yeah no i i, I do kind of like all that stuff well, again that's one of my favorite moments is when he does comes out and he's covered in the black oil and sort of um and he sort it of may...
1: stumbles down that staircase quite quite beautifully
0: <laughs> yeah i will say all right. if if uh what's his who is it what's got it the guy who did the x-files
1: Chris Carter,
0: Chris Carter with the black oil in that TV show. Like he mm. clearly watched quite a mass. Like, <laughs> if anyone tells me different, he's lying. Um, yeah. But again, like I say one of the things you say about this mystery, I, I love that this, this film keeps trying to do different things. Um, and so they have this thing and they're like, right, well the best way to deal with this then is we're going to get the press involved, which is a very sort of like the trusting of the press. And so they bring in a sort of a reporter and they're like, look, if he can see this, he can, he can, um, you know, get the news out to people and they will have to believe him. And I love that. It's such a quaint idea in 2021 that like, if we can get a news person to report on this, the world of course is going to believe us. Is, Is it quaint? I mean,
1: I feel like so naive that I'm like, Yeah, why wouldn't a cop do his job in a small factory town? You've destroyed my (laughs) notions of that already this episode. Um, uh, You know, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, how many movies and stories do we have in which somebody's trying to get something to the press, you know, and the belief that they're going to cover it and people will believe it? Mm. I guess it is kind of quaint to believe that people would believe (laughs) facts and news these days. Uh You know, but we live in a post-fact world. Maybe we always did. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I th- I think, um, throughout the twentieth century, I think there was a there was an admiration and, um, you know, f- for the press. You know, there's a reason that Clark Kent became a news reporter and not a policeman. There's a reason that you have all these films of, of sort of like whether the star is, you know, Cary Grant plays a news report, you know, a newsman or whatever. Like there was, there's an admiration in it for a long time. And I think it still existed in the fifties. Um, I think it went away probably more in the. I think it starts to gets tarnished in the seventies. Um, but you still get like Watergate and, you know, where the press mm-hmm. is, is heavily involved in stuff. And there's stuff over here as well, where these things happen, these scandals break because, you know, the press are able to, to do tell the truth. I think it's a bit more difficult in this day and age now um, and you know I wish we could go back to that time but I do think it's 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 interesting to watch it to sort of though we have an alien invasion we have something really <laughs> weird going on the best way to get out is through the press um and it it does feel a bit quaint um the other stumbling block I have for this is is the guy who plays the the reporter mm-hmm. um in this in this he he is credited as Sidney James Um, I know him as Sid James, and um, just after this, he would start a career in what is known as the Carry On films, um, which are a series of 32, I think, sort of like lurid um, British comedy films that ran from early before this. They started, I think, in the sort of the um, 50s and 60s, but he joined in the early 60s. And it was the same cast, over. every film was the same cast, and there would just be sort of a different thing. So you'd like Carry On Sergeant about the police, or Carry On Nurse, and Carry On Doctor, and Carry On the Kyber. Some of them are very good, some not. But they're all sort of like, you know, Barbara Windsor was like in them. It's like, oh, look at the boobies, kind of thing. It's all very silly, very, very silly British humour. But I've known this since I was a kid. So I've just known them <laughs> as just sort of like as this dirty middle aged man in all these films. They're like, yeah, you know, sort of making these jokes. So to see him in this serious sci fi film really sort of like, is a stumbling block for me because I'm waiting for him to call sort of someone like, you know, Oh, look, it's Mr. Dinkle Lord. Eh, and make some joke about it. And so, it... <laughs> so, so casting him as like, you know, Mass. you've gone to the
1: press in the, in the vain belief that the press will be your savior. Little did you know the reporter is out for booby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be called, <laughs> Yeah. Well, his name is Mr. Whoopi. And you're sort of like, Oh, it's, yeah. I, it's a, it, I get it because I'm you, you know, in this day and age, you go, Oh, of course, people play different things. But for pretty much all of my life, Sid James has been affiliated with the Carry On films. So th- this is always a bit of a stumbling block for me when I'm like, Oh, no, no, you, you are something else. Um, but I, I do like the idea, and I love the fact as well, though, that he gets killed as well. Mm-hmm. Like th- this film, in fact, we're going to get to another moment in a minute, but this film doesn't hold back.
1: Um, yeah, and it, like I said, I mean, this sort of like whole second act is sort of like another attempt after another attempt to sort of get somebody to break through, and yeah, you know, so and, and then everybody dies, <laughs> you know, and, and that the main reason why they don't work is they die, um, hmm. which is another part of why I mean, you know, you were talking about why um, this would be hard to cover up. Um, I mean, in, in the first one, you did have the BBC broadcasting alien life. Um, <laughs> but in this one, you know, you have a member of parliament, for God's sake, uh, being killed.
0: You know. uh, well, more, more than that is, you know, uh, again, um, they, they, there's a slight change in the narrative in this midsection, the sort of second act, that sort of leads into the finale. The village revolts against mm. the, the mm-hmm. plant. And in the TV show, it happens very much because of the killing of the news reporter. Uh, so in the film, it happens because of the killing of the news reporter. They're having some... Um, um, no, and, and the girl. The girl gets... Isn't it? There's a young woman who gets infected, and then there's the killing of the news reporter. So the village yeah. sort of uh, um, turns on them. In, in the TV show, again, it's... Um, there's an the old couple having the 35th wedding anniversary. And again, like those old people get killed. And so there's this turning where the village is like, hang on a minute, <laughs> the source of our income is now willing to kill us, and we're still told. There's like a, there's an explicit line. It's not, I don't think it's in the film, but it's in the show, where they're like the someone confronts the guards, and they actually say sort of like, you know, you're here to do your job, and he pushes his guy away, the and then they take them take someone away from having killed these people, and that's when the, the village sort of turns, and that's when it sort of brought home that they're like. No, you don't matter. Like, you're here to comply and do as you're told, like, you know, stay in your place sort of thing, and that's when they revolt. And it's still, like, again, it came back to this like, idea of um, trade union relations, of this idea of sort of like they band together, and like, no, now we shall take on the plant. But it's not until it hits home, mm. not until one of their own gets infected and impacted that they start to really take them. Um... But even when they go in, um, and several things happen. I don't think it happens straight away, but you even then you have a guy like that comes over the tannoy, doesn't it? they have broken in. There's a big, there's a gunfight for a start, and you see people being gunned down, mm-hmm. and a small group get into the plant, and then they come over the tannoy, and they're still saying like, "Well, if you if you're willing to go back to your houses and carry on, <laughs> you know, we'll we we'll, are happy to sort of you know forget about this little incident. We'll carry on I'm thinking like people have just been shot outside. You still." <laughs> But you still get one guy who jumps on the phone and is like, "No, no look, I'm willing to look in that I want to go look in those vats or in those domes. And if you're telling the truth, mm-hmm. we'll we'll step off." And I'm like, "They've they've just killed people, but you you live as well. <laughs> um, So yeah, that whole I mean that's of, yeah.
1: it's not really very very believable, and and they do seem like uh, I mean they're really shot like a sort of Frankenstein mob, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: except in the wilderness walking along this road you know which takes a little away from the image um of a mob carrying pitchforks um but you're right they do sort of like reverse themselves it it, it seemed like a like i i I don't even know like why that development was necessary um and you get the you know like you get the barmaid dying which is Mm. sort of comes out of nowhere but is oddly memorable i mean you know obviously we're sort of trained to see attractive young woman dying you know from apparently a targeted meteorite i don't know why you know not (laughs) sure why they're like you know that barmaid
0: marked for death yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah She's up on that asteroid sort of nailed it um
1: (laughs) It's like, it's like there's a Mars attack, alien up there. that's
0: just like yeah. got that mermaid. <laughs> yeah, there is little bits of that in this, but um, yeah, it, it's they do turn, and, and but this is where again, and this this is exactly the same as the show. This whole section is very much exactly the same. They go off to see the the, the They send them off, and Quatermass is going like, "Don't go, don't go," and what they've done is they've turned off. Like the oxygen the oxygen the nitrogen that to the vats they've got control of it um and so you know or they're putting they've, tr- they've turned them up haven't they they've turned up the oxygen because they're gonna try and and, and poison them so they, but they send off these guys to go look in the vats and all of a sudden they're like you know they get sold again well you're not gonna um, be able to do it basically and there's a crack in the pipe and this bit this this section really bothers me and it's sort of like <laughs> you know it's good but they're like Oh there's blood coming out of this pipe and then quite a is like they've blocked the pipe with those people it's human pulp <laughs> and I'm just like that is brutal like you don't see it you see the blood come out of the pipe but I'm still like that is in my head like because the, the, you know obviously the aliens are still these little creaturey things they're like a mass so there are still people that were infected that have beaten these people to death done something, and then forced them into a pipe to block it. I, I, the first time I watched this, I, I sort of stumbled past that and had to rewind because I'm like, I'm sorry, what?
1: Yeah. It's a really... No, it makes an impression. I mean, I, and I like the line. I don't... I, I think that my... I, I, I love that as a sort of moment of horror. Mm. Having said that, I think that, you know, of course, this isn't black and white. And the black blood, quote unquote, dripping out of this crack in the pipe. I'm not sure why there's a crack in the pipe right there, but unfortunately, that black blood looks to me very similar to the sort of oil that's coating, you know, the and, heat. and so my first response, watching it the first time, was, um, oh, that's some of that that oil or that those aliens, you know, um, and so. You're just sort of told it's blood. And then yeah. it's like, they've clogged it with human pulp. And <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, cool idea. <laughs> I'm not sure that it makes sense. And visually it doesn't. What you haven't given us the visuals of throwing guys in the pipe, unfortunately, um, which I'd quite love to see on a, on a Topps trading card. But, um, you know, also visually it doesn't work in the film. Uh, because you've already established sort of black dripping fluid as something else
0: no i agree with that I, it, cause it's, it's it's definitely my thought processes that sit behind it that is more mm. um i suppose it's that cliche isn't it you know it's what's more frightening is what you don't see i'd still like to see it i don't think <laughs> i don't think hammer in 57 was ever, i mean this was an x yeah oh rating. yeah um so if they were like by the way the only because i'm sure like that the guy covered in black goo was one of the things and they got there's a quite a lot of killing going on in this mm, mm-hmm. but if they were also like by the way we also club people to, de- to death and force them into a pipe i think they'd be like yeah we're just not releasing this like what <laughs> what is wrong with you <laughs> um but what i'm more impressed is like it's in the show as well um you know the same idea is uh, they have a pipe and the, 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 a light comes on, uh, indicating there's a blockage, and they open up part of the part of the pipe, and a guy puts his hand in to feel and comes out covered in uh, with blood on it. But again, being black and white, it's it's still black. Mm. So I get that, that I agree that there's definitely a, an issue there. And if it was in colour, I suppose it would be a much easier way to show it. But the fact that I was, I still can't go with the fact that the BBC in 1956, when oh. it was first made, were willing to go, oh no, we're going there. Like that's still pretty brave to me. Even to say to to open that suggestion is pretty um, is pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I I
1: like the idea of reaching your hand in the pipe. I mean, there's something you know the first of all visceral about the <laughs> viscera. Uh, you know, it'd be really great is since it's black and white. You just have the guy reach into the pipe and he's like, you know, what is this? And it's blood. And he opens up his hand and he's got an eyeball in his hand. Yeah. That's
0: <laughs> just like a clump of hair or something, there. Like something that's <laughs> yeah really, that really bring it home yeah i i, I, I it's do people like... the park <laughs> is people <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it does have that feel um you know and, and again this, they have the revelation about sort of what's in there and you see them in the vats as well like you know undulating around and stuff so they do try and give you something when they can i think black and white limits this a little bit um, but no, I, that whole bit with the set. Because I, I just want f- to that that whole whole section though. The way it ends is um, slightly ludicrous in both the show and the TV and and, the, and the, in the film, because they've got these like machine guns, and then the guy's like, but I also have this ro- ro- rocket propelled like this rocket launcher. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, I forgot we had that. <laughs> and he launches it at the, the domes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do. I, do, I kind of love that. That the sort of like, you know, sort of like, oh, yeah, we've got these handguns and we've got these machine guns. And for some unknown reason, the guards at this plant were armed with a rocket launcher. I'm not sure why.
1: Well, they were anticipating the town, you know, turning Frankenstein on them.
0: I'm still not entirely sure a rocket launch is appropriate <laughs> even for a small British village of people that are mostly armed with chair legs. <laughs> well, you know,
1: overkill's a thing, yeah. you know. Uh, no, I mean, you're right, of course. Um, you know, I do love, you know, I mean, for me, the, the sort of like clogging the pipe, I, you know, there's you're made out of goo. I mean, yeah. you're aliens. There's got to be something better that you can do than pulping humans and shoving them in the works as horrific and cool as it is. Right. Um, so that also sort of lessened the effect for me, but, but there's no doubt that the just sheer amount of people being gunned down. I mean, the amount of death in this movie, it, it, it reminds me of sort of, um, I kept thinking of bond, you know, and it, it reminds mm. me of sort of like the, the end of, uh, a little bit of, uh, the volcano lair and you only live twice where it's just like you know well there's ninjas in that you know and, and people are just being gunned down left and right. it's just like you know slaughter <laughs> hundreds of people are dead um and but i do quite like that sense of of chaos and 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 violence yeah uh, again
0: it's it's clearly supposed to be a bit of a step up isn't it from Quatermass? Mm-hmm. they're like okay we've this is tried to be aliens to alien In many Mm -hmm. ways, you know, they've tried to up the ante in that respect of like, okay, you're gonna have a bigger threat and you're gonna have a bigger kill count and the stakes gonna feel higher, and it's definitely, it has that feel to it. Like, or you thought that you thought, you know, the Quatermass X experiment was bad? Oof, you wait till you hear that. You know, I I can imagine Hammer leaning into that as part of their advertising of like, you know, well, if you thought the Quatermass experiment was uh, was scary you wait until you see the Quatermass mass too um but there, I mean, you know, again you say about the the you know the, the drafts of this you know you talk about the sort of the violence that we you, you see at the end of um quater in the pit where the people turn on each other is again mm. the depiction of brutality of that is again is another sort of step up it's not gunning each other they are literally killing each other in the streets and stuff um and and so you know it is it's it's um a a willingness or a desire to become slightly more violent with each one um yeah and and
1: that's another way that this kind of like you know seems to prefigure that third one
0: mm, yeah uh, you know and if you do ever get around to watching the Quatermass, um it's just called Quatermass. it came out in 79 um there is more again basically uh, i'll give you an overview of that because we'll never get around to watching it because um i'll explain I've been a bit, but that has it again. Like they, it ups the ante again, where they're just like, "Yeah, we're going to kill swaths of people." and not really worried about we're going to kill hundreds of people in in fell swoops and you know burn down someone's. I think we're going to burn down a house with people in it at one point in that in that series. So the, the, I think Nigel Neal. I'm I'm quite glad he stopped actually at one point because sooner or later he'd have like you know he'd have turned Quatermass into like Rambo or sort of like Dexter, where he's like he is a scientist, but he kills people on the side all in the name of science um but, well yeah.
1: i mean you know in fairness you know this uh you know this uh, american actor is a bit of a <laughs> sort of like action hero from the get-go yeah. <laughs> you know he he doesn't seem really that interested in science you know all <laughs> the science happens between and before the
0: movies <laughs> yeah. and by everybody else in his team i would say um like he delegates an awful lot <laughs> um because also the thing is about the climax of this film, one of the things is that sort of like, you know, you said but they launch the rocket launcher, the, um, the domes break open, and we get this mass, these three mass blob alien things erupt from them. And again, it's doing miniatures, and they're watching it from the hillside. Like, I kind of like it, I do. But more than that, again, is they've they've identified, as you mentioned before, they've ident- identified this asteroid that sort of sat uh, the other side of the moon, And so they launch the Quatermass 2, the rocket, basically as a missile uh, to use it to blow it up. And that's what they do. And that's so you see this sort of like little explosion in the sky and then the masses just sort of collapse. So that always was a little anticlimactic to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And and it's very fast, too. Yes. Like, you know, um,
1: well, I mean, since that goo can take any shape, I'm just surprised it didn't take the shape of the Michelin man.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I know you're a big Ghostbusters fan. So that would have been great. Use, Scott.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I just have three staple of marshmallow menders and out of it. would have been ace. W- one of the things I will say is again, this is where the show differs. And I'll I keep making these comparisons, but there's a great bit in this. And this is where I think it's interesting to highlight. So we said that in the show, they highlight that um, they had a previous rocket that, that exploded, and there's this problem with the nuclear um, propulsion. And so they, in the show, they keep so they keep coming back to this, and they're like, "Well, you know, we, we can't trust this nuclear propulsion." They mention it several times. You're not allowed to forget this nuclear propulsion. So when they attack, you basically get the climax of the film um, in the show, and in, but instead of like the, the 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 things of mass erupting from the 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 um, domes, the oxygen-rich air getting into the domes kills the aliens which is what mm-hmm. they were trying to do in the first place. Right. Um so that happens and then but then they're like well but all the people are still possessed because they're still being controlled by this asteroid and so they follow Quatermass and they chase him down and then they threaten to use his rocket against him they're going to basically blow him up they're going to set off as a nuclear device really that's what they're saying well you know screw you sort of thing. But they, so they <coughs> so they take it back uh Quatermass and his one of his colleagues And they fly the ship, they get in it and fly the ship on a suicide, potential suicide mission to the asteroid on the other side of the moon. And the show ends with a fight on the moon when you find out that his partner has been infected. So they have a Hmm. gun battle on the moon. That's so awesome. (laughs) Also on this (laughs) asteroid. And then the asteroid fights back. And straps, and so the goo comes alive and attaches itself to the ship, and so holds it in. And Quatermass luckily is able to separate the ship and fire himself back to Earth in sort of like as a bullet. And then, and then you actually see the the end that the, the uh, nuclear propol- nuclear engine overheats or whatever, cool, or whatever, and blows up, killing. Um, the, the asteroid mothership or the, the queen or whatever it is, you never really understand it. And then you find out that sort of the people back on Earth are, are no longer possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, that is such a much better ending. Like it ends like quite a myself going, yeah, I've got to go and I've got there's no one else that can do this. I can't ask anybody else to do it. It's my fault. So I'm I'm gonna fly this ship up. And he does it. Um and it, it adds a much you know another dimension to quatermass of this thing and instead of just being a, a grumpy you know prick he he actually is willing to sacrifice himself to save the planet and stuff and it has people in spacesuits fighting on an asteroid with guns
1: <laughs> yeah that's awesome i have to apologize for saying michelin man instead of stay puff marshmallow man. it's
0: a correction i will accept it's fine <laughs> uh,
1: i i apologize profusely um but, uh, no, I mean, they changed the ending of the first one, too. Uh, <laughs> and there I could understand it because they didn't want it to be just, I'm talking somebody into suicide, yeah, um, which would be more anticlimactic uh, than setting it alight. Um, here, it seems like, I don't know why they made that change. Um, it seems like that is, this is a movie that... You know, ups the the violence count. It's got, you know, guys getting machine gun. I do like the miniatures, even though, as you say, it's over very quickly and Mm. it doesn't really represent a great threat. Nobody ever gets close to it. You know, is the key thing. Right. It doesn't lean down and smack anyone with stuff Um, or absorb things like the blob or something, Um, which they could have done a lot with. Yeah. Um, It does seem sort of anticlimactic. Um, And I I, I don't buy, you know, I I don't buy the collective intelligence. I I hate any plot where taking out the Queen Bee sort of disables everyone, right? Mm. You know, know, these clearly this gelatinous sort of gooey alien is capable of operating independently in different people. I don't believe that, you know, uh, this would kill it. Uh, and that's uh, such a cliche. And so, you know, it resorts to this cliche and it's over. And all I can think of is, I mean, did it not want to go full 50s silly sci-fi? Did, did it take itself too seriously to have a gunfight on an asteroid?
0: I, I think it's a bit of both. I think there's, there's, well, I think there's two things. I think it's that. I think I think this is still Hammer. And they hadn't quite hit their horror... Um, groove you know, By this point you'd had uh, Dracula And Frankenstein come out And so they were into that gothic Horror thing and I think they were they were hoping To lean more into the horror Than the sci-fi Because this is a shock film, that's, that's the whole point It's an X, it's, an, it's a shock film And then I think budgetary restraints mm. they, were, they were Probably a bit like, okay we'd have to Build a rocket, we're going to have to do sets We're going to have to do suits, you know It's all this other stuff and look it, we can just you know we've we've got people beaten into pulps and put into pipes that's shocking enough let's cut here it's a, it's an hour and a half we've had people killed let's pull the pull the uh, pull the cord on it here I, I honestly think that's what it would have been that they've would just looked and gone this is an extra finale we don't need we've launched the ship remotely we win finish the film
1: yeah no i mean and yeah that's interesting i mean obviously like like the budgetary thing sort of makes sense um Mm. i mean they this clearly has a bigger budget than the first one Mm. um but there's i can i can understand that and obviously hammer did not want to waste too much money um notoriously so um but i I like what you're saying about how like that's almost i mean because this comes from a serial which doesn't Mm. You know, most serials don't have really a traditional act structure it's been formatted very much into three acts mm-hmm. um it, it's a truncated first act with sort of discovering the problem which 15 minutes in you're basically done with the first act and then you have like a solid most of an hour um 45 minutes of the second act and then you have this sort of climax um so, you know, going to going beyond the moon to this asteroid and having a good fight on the asteroid, <laughs> as wonderful as it sounds, uh, would be like another 20 minute, you know, fourth act. Mm. Um, so maybe it's sort of like that doesn't work structurally. You know, it, it does, like what you're saying, like it sort of feels tacked on
0: yeah and again i like say it works in the show because of how they've been leading up to it so in the show like you say it's a serial they keep reminding you that this rocket exists that they've got to do something with it it's there as their sort of like it's there as their plan b sort of thing <clears throat> and and so that's when it sort of takes into effect in this it's like i oh know we're gonna run in parallel we're gonna have quatermass invading the plant and then we're gonna have his his Colleagues back at the thing, sort of like launching it remotely, sort of thing. So it makes sense. I can see why they adjusted it to have it run in parallel. But it, unfortunately, it results in quite a quick anticlimactic finish. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I can. I I completely understand why those decisions were made. Like, you know, budgetary and time wise. Again, this is this is still in the fifties where people you know, sitting for a two-hour film would have consisted of probably an intermission where everyone got up to have ice cream as well at the hour point, so you know, they want to keep people in, and also, this would have been, I think they were were trying to keep everything less than sort of like, you know, 90 minutes 80 minutes, you know, at the most, whatever because a lot of these would have been done as double bills as well, Mm -hmm. there was that thing of, like, if you can get on a double bill, then that's where the money is and so anything too long and you probably lose that opportunity i sort of wish some films would think about that now to be honest
1: yeah no i agree i mean now it's like three hours is nothing you know yeah uh, that used to be reserved for like you know big sweeping historical epics or something yeah. and now it's like uh you know how bob became a cop the four hour uh <laughs> investigative uh deep insight that costs $300 million to make for some reason. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think there are movies like this where it could use another 20 minutes. Um, Mm. And, and I think that, you know, the other thing is that the pacing is quite slow in all of these, but it staggers me that, I mean, you have just, you have shots of like a car driving around where you're like, (laughs) how does this take a minute? You know, like there are things like that where you think, why did you not cut this and put more of the stuff that you're talking about from the serial in? Um, but, I mean, I would quite like the, the you know, sort of Moonraker-esque uh, extravaganza at the end. <laughs>
0: well, what, what's even what's even more brilliant of it is because he, he the, the guy who plays Quatermass in, in the TV show um, is incredibly sort of like, you know, he's probably sort of in his late 40s, early 50s, so, you know, he's sort of, very, very British he's playing the scientist in a very sort of like you know non uh Brian do Levy way so to see him then going off in a rocket ship sort of like it feels a little bit like th- th- he, they even make a point of it like he's not supposed to be doing this yeah like it feels like you know for him to be doing this like he should be in the launch room not in the ship and so they make a bit of which also hits home quite well when they're like yeah this is our last effort like we have got you in the ship that's you know wow. how that's where, that's we're
1: where at. we are yeah um and well, it's and... also sort of like full circle with the first one right because mm. in the first one he has no i mean we're used to the cliche of sort of you know uh the scientist experimenting on himself you know mm. uh, i i've got this radiation that may or may not turn me into a giant spider i yeah. need to test this on myself first um Obviously, like Reed Richards going up in the ship himself, um, you know, so we're sort of used to that. And the first Mass is, you know, shoes that so completely. He has mm. no interest in going up. He's like, I pay people to do that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he, he would find that utterly absurd. And yet at the end of the, the second one, at least in the serial, uh, he has become that guy. And so, if you started out thinking, "Hmm, "Damn it, why? You know, this is about Quatermass. Why is he not eager to go up himself? Why is he not the hero as well as the protagonist?" He sort of becomes
0: that by the end of two, at least in the series. Yeah, exactly. And and this is where, uh, as I say, like this, you know, I said about having that arc. You know, like again, like we've only seen the three um you know with quatermass in the pit like you, you get to that point in quatermass in the pit where he, he sort of lived through that and becomes that hero where he's now willing to sort of like put himself in harm's way for some of it and to be at the front of the investigation um and so you sort of do get that arc, but because they're so broken up over time and stuff like and this is why i, I keep uh, we'll go back to it the, uh, the pitch meeting of this for, for a reboot <laughs> is that like, you know, that is, is basically what I actually messaged you and said, like I've, I've sat here for this evening and I've written up a 2000 word pitch for how I would bring Quatermass back. And a lot of it is exactly as you've said, it's this guy who's had a, a life, you know, in the TV series, his daughter is involved. Like she works with him. Um, but there's, you know, you, there's never real mention of his wife or, you know, her mother. Um, and obviously there's no mention of, of her in the in the T V in the TV in, sorry, in the the films. Um and so I had this idea of him being this sort of like he's had this life, he's probably in his late forties, early fifties, when you meet him for Quater Mass, the first film, and you know, he's estranged from his daughter. I'd have each of him, so he's he's estranged from his daughter, he's lost his wife, he's you know, he's dedicated his life to his work. And it'd be this thing of in his later life reacclimatizing to humanity, like you know, actually getting, you know, saying actually i keep talking about these grand ideas about the future of saving the human race and space and all this other stuff but actually i need to be a part of the human race and it, it sounds cliche. it sounds cliche actually right saying it in shorthand but over this time and then what i wanted for him to be sort of coming to this term of like yeah i've got to get involved and i've got to so i want to you know re-engage with my daughter and my granddaughter because he has a granddaughter later on not in my pitch in the actual nigel Neal story and then to reach the end of to reach the end of Quatermass and the Pit, and for him to have reached this point where he is re-engaging with humanity and to do things, to then find out that humanity was actually spawned by you know aliens, and <laughs> at our core we have a brutality that can just be switched on, and we'll you know we will happily kill each other in an instant. To, for him then to go, do you know what, I'm not entirely sure I can cope with this thing of like having to save humanity and recognizing that we are actually just all animals and i'm not entirely sure we deserve to go off into space um and then that's when he also he separates himself off and goes to live and retire in scotland and then because of this realization and this this acknowledgement of we are from space we are part alien or whatever society starts to break down a little bit and it becomes more and more and eventually, in what happens in Quatermass, what's called the Quatermass conclusion, was the film version, the truncated version of the series, which is literally that they took the episodes and just edited bits out. Mm. But in the series, he finds out that his granddaughter, his, his his daughter, has been killed, and his granddaughter has gone missing. So Quatermass goes back to London because he's from Scotland. He travels back to England to start looking for his daughter, do- his granddaughter, and he finds out that the basically people have just gone potty. Like they just don't know how to deal with this information. This is 10 years after Quatermass and the pit, I suppose. <clears throat> and so all these sort of like earth, like or sort of like cult groups have come up and they all start worshipping this idea of being aliens. So they're trying to connect with this idea and they go around these people travelling as part of this sort of cult. And then all of a sudden in the show, actually, these beams start coming down and these people think they are being returned. That's what they think. They think it's like some like you know uh, Halibop comic kind of deal, you know, sort of heaven's gate deal.
1: Like rapture.
0: By yeah. The aliens, yeah. I mean. So these groups, they think they're being brought back up, but then when they go to the site, Quatermass goes to one of the sites and finds all these skeletons and they're like, "Oh no, no, they're not being taken, they are being wiped out." And again, you find that this is actually an invasion plan. Of these 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 things are actually sort of softening up the younger generations by killing them off so that they can come and invade. And it gets down, then it sort of follows through and you find all this craziness in London. But it's a really good show. Um, but again, that's sort of like, you know, in my head, I'm like, why is this not, why is this not a show? Like,
1: it baffles <laughs> me. Uh, well, and I think that, you know, so, so your vision is sort of to sort of make sense of those four serials as a unified thing showing Quatermass's progression. From, you know, science obsessed, uh, you know, family ignoring to, you know, more human and mm. then sort of reeling from Quater Maps on the Pit, sort of in retirement and forced to come out and, and see a changed world, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with Quater Maps on the Pit, not just to recognize that oh, humanity is this brutal thing, but as we see in the film and in the show, it's in him. Mm -hmm. you know and to realize that you know i've always been about science and about the clarity that that Mm -hmm. provides me but to know that this thing is in me terrifies him and so he sort of has to separate he the only way he deals with it is he separates himself out and it's like you know knackers to this i'm off sort of thing um I, i just think there's something there i'd probably pad it out i think i'd have Again, as I said, the the Quatermass experiment, I'd have another one in the middle, something following that, like a new season two, then the story that's Quatermass 2, then a new one, then Quatermass in the pit, and then have a time jump and finish with the Quatermass conclusion. So a five-season plan. Yeah. Yeah, You heard it here first. Six, six, six technically. So I'd have Quatermass, new one, Quatermass 2, new one, Quatermass in the pit and then Quatermass Six six seasons is what I've got made And for those two new ones, I've got sort of ideas um, But yeah, a six season Arc that would end With old man Quatermass Sort of like, you know um, You know, uh, yeah, probably Span like a, a tw- I don't know, 15, 20 years of his life And stuff
1: yeah, I quite like I quite like those sort of jumps uh, And is, would it be set in present day? Yes Okay. So would it wind up being set slightly in the future by the time you're done? Yeah, you'd have to
0: keep doing the future thing. And, yeah. and, and again, you'd have to have that sort of, um, I'd consider it sort of, you know, uh, futuristic realism. I wouldn't want flying, ca- there's no flying cars or that sort of thing. They'd probably have an extent of technology, but I would try and keep it as, as you know, as common sense as possible. Futurist, but without you know we're not jumping 20 years into the future and all of a sudden there's cyborgs everywhere you know so do you keep the rocket ships i do um and again so what again what it'd be is he wouldn't just be a rocket and you know he's not just a rocket scientist in those sorts yeah. of you know general terms his speciality would be propulsion mm-hmm. So he would be focusing on the propulsion. So he is the project lead, but he is also the one. he's He has created this brand new, invented this new version of propulsion, and that's what they're mm-hmm. testing, and that's what they tested in the Quatermass experiment. And again, he's not working for the government. They're based out of Cornwall or somewhere like that, so it's got quite large expanses of land. He's working for a private enterprise. He did did work for the government, but was driven out because of his obsession and what I said in my thing is basically he gave a, he was a lecture or a conference or a Ted talk or something like that. And basically railed against the government being too small minded and not, you know, they're not considering the future and of stuff. So he got pushed out and then an Elon Musk type picked him up and was like, well, I'll happily have you, you can lead in my space X program. Um, and that's where we find him sort of like, you know, um, estranged from his scientist daughter who still does work for the government. Mm. Um, and um yeah that's the thing so it's sort of you know basically he he doesn't have to have all the government oversight and you know but there's still this thing of like probably permits and stuff so that's why he's able to launch his rocket without really sort of the government being up his ass about it that sounds awesome
1: uh yeah yeah, i love the ambition of the six-year plan and I, i definitely feel this is ripe for uh for a reboot um you know, especially in our sort of age of um, sort of prestige television, um, I only have a couple notes. Uh, can this Quatermass be American, a woman and have AIDS?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, she's it could be. Yeah. It could be. I, I, do you know? What? I really struggled with this actually when I was thinking about it. I, I just before we came on, we talked about it. And the guy I went through, I went through casting in my head, and the person I kept land, I landed on several was David Harwood. I think it's David Harwood, David Harewood, who um, done several things. Birmingham, he's British. He was born in Birmingham, and he's currently in Supergirl and stuff. But he, he, he just has an authority that I really like, um, and um, I, I you know, weirdly I didn't consider. You know the, the fact that so David hell if you don't know, is is a he's a black actor. Um, you know he's playing John Jones in, in Supergirl at the moment. But I, weirdly again, not to say I'm you know I'm colorblind or that, like, I didn't think about oh it's got to be a white guy. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. who has this sort of like authority but can sort of come across and can grow that compassion that I could probably see in this character. I'm sure there's others you know that could play it. Um. Weirdly, I think Quaytomas has to be a man. And that's not sexist. I think that's because he has to have a certain privilege and arrogance that can only mm-hmm. come from being a man. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know,
1: I think that... I think it does. I mean, I think that, you know, the the sort of, like, career over family which is where he starts, is a sort of quintessential male trait.
0: Mm. I think
1: taking those traits and putting them uh, in a woman, especially an ambitious woman scientist, is interesting too. Um, but I think you're right that you know socially, uh, usually even the most— I mean, Margaret Thatcher knew she was breaking the mold and did it yeah. in a different way, you know? Uh, so— being arrogant and and sort of like having the privilege to be blind to certain things uh, is a very male trait.
0: Yeah, and and that's the 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 arc of the show would be him hmm. being as you say blind to these things would be you know but would be the fact he would wake up to some of these things like you know this idea especially from the I would probably say from the first to the third season would be that that arc initially of him you know yeah i'm happy to put astronauts in that's what they in this ship they you know they know the risk they train for this that's what they're paid for that's what their families are paid for so when they die it's not I, I my conscience is clear i have no problem with that to then exactly like you say by the end of quatermass, the quatermass 2 story which would be season three him climbing into the ship you know in front of people he knows and loves and say well no this is the last move i've got to do this i'm the only one that can do this you know I know the risks. I know what I'm doing. I've got to go and do it. To sort of accept that, I think is you know you. I think that sort of has to be. Um, I don't know. If it, it felt like a male a male lead to me.
1: Yeah. No. I I think that makes sense. Uh, I don't I don't think that's you know a sexist thing. I and I think that. Um, yeah. I mean, I I definitely identify with sort of. I like what you said of, like, not to be like, oh, I'm colorblind, but, you know, I identify with the sort of like, oh, it never occurred to me that people would be mad about this. Like, you yeah. know, like, uh, oh, wait a minute. This would be controversial, you know, and you know, you know, it, w- it would be half of half of Britain would suddenly decide that it grew up with Mass and cares about Mass more than ever. And that you are destroying a British institution that they ha- hadn't thought of uh for 10 yeah, years
0: before yeah. an, an ip that hasn't been touched since 1980 <laughs> since before yeah. i was born the year before i was born this that, that you know that last one aired so it's not like yeah people you've right. people like, oh my god the daily mail that would be it wouldn't it <laughs> before doctor who there was Quatermass, and now they want to make it you know they want to change him you're like well no one knew who he was right like... right no i mean that's true uh
1: And, you know, for as much as people want to, uh, you know, and occasionally with, with some merit, uh, you know, the sort of culture of outrage and people want to rail at social justice warriors for making Mm -hmm. issues out of things, the right does it just as much, if not more, especially, and, and way more disingenuously in my personal opinion. Um, you know, I could just see those, those headlines, you know, uh, british icon you yeah. know uh race shifted in a pathetic attempt at uh you know inclusion yeah, get your politics it. out of my equator math yeah
0: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh, i think is i do see this working and i could i honestly could see this being a prestige show you know i think mm-hmm. i think i don't know if the bbc still own the rights so i assume they do because they release i'm just checking yeah, they released the most recent version, which was the the Quatermass in the Pit TV show on Blu-ray. So, they they still own this stuff. They probably still own the rights to, you know. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't. It seems like a really sort of in, in a world. Oh, it's like a bloody film trailer. <laughs> you got yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I heard it too. <laughs> in the present day, in this anti-science climate, I, I, all I can and I've said it before. And I think I've said like a broken record on this quatermass feels like the right hero for the time you know we've got the doctor and you know uh, i've i've i will say the last couple of seasons have been weaker more to do with chibnall than uh, jodie whittaker i think she's actually really good i just think chris chibnall's not great um but i think the doctor is, is traversing the pass at the path at the moment that's really interesting and I just think there's there's more IPs in British science fiction that we could be doing in this area. And, um, yeah, it, it's just, why not? Why not Quatermass?
1: No, I agree. And I think that, you know, we've talked occasionally about how, you know, British IP, for some reason, doesn't seem to do as well. I mean, you know, Dread has struggled, but 2000 AD has, you know, a thousand other things that could be adapted uh especially the animated series you know right. whatever it doesn't happen i mean i it's, it's slightly an exaggeration but basically i grew up on dan dare comics yeah. i love dan dare comics i was you know i mean and we've had several revisionist reinventions of dan dare at this point um you know um I would love to see a Dan Dare, you know, pilot of the future, uh, you know, whether, I mean, it would certainly be revisionist to some degree, but mm-hmm. whether serious revisionist or not, uh, animated show, live action show, you know. I mean, if you can do Battlestar Galactica, you can do Dan Dare, okay? Um, you know, and Mass, you know, is, is right there. And, you know, what people have to realize is, and I could say this as an American, we love British shit. It mm. took so long for Doctor Who to come over here, but once the average teenager, you know, or or 20 something discovers Doctor Who, it took a long time to get that on the radar, but once you discover this stuff, it's cooler because it's British and and you know, part of the mystery you know, anytime you're investigating a new IP or you're falling in love with a new IP, is figuring out that history, right? Yeah. And and being like, oh, but wait a minute, you know, it's Professor X. Actually, is this? You know, and all of that sort of trivia and uh, and minutia, um, and and having that sort of textured history is is more interesting and more important. And so, we love British stuff. Yeah, we love uh, well, that stuff. So y- y- you amazing. mentioned. You, you,
0: I agree, and I think one of the things you say about two thousand and eighteen, you and I both have a massive affinity for two thousand and eighteen, a dread in particular. But you're right. There's, I mean, you know, at the moment, as far as I'm aware, Duncan Jones has been working on a script for a Rogue Trooper movie that excites Neil Marshall. Put himself up as you know, he'd love to have directed it. Excellent, you know. I think that'd be you know. But that that comic that anthology is loaded with stuff. Like you know, I would love to see all kinds of things, but. You know, think if you think like Nemesis the Warlock in an animated T V show, like you could do that sort of um that, that art style of um <clears throat> I forget his name, no Christ. But you know, obviously written by Pat Mel. If you if you think some of the stuff that's being produced at the moment is stark is, is snarky and you gonna know, you know make you feel uncomfortable, wait till you're you know that. Like, yes yeah, so like, you know there's so much stuff like say rogue trooper or or um skizz or, or dr and Quinche, all the stuff that sort of like mm-hmm. um, alan moore did D- dr and Quinch as a limited animated series would be phenomenal if you think deadpool breaks the fourth wall in a dangerous like you know and, and is is crazy you haven't read dr and Quinche. um yeah and if you think
1: guardians of the galaxy is you know goofy and winky you know yeah wait till this
0: right yeah exactly. the audience
1: has been primed for it already
0: and i think you know there's a there is definitely a um an audience for this most definitely my big issue and, and you know rebellion i don't think you're ever going to hear this but like i don't think rebellion knows it or if they do because I, I do know for a fact that in the 90s they tried to sell pre-rebellion they tried to sell off a bunch of the ip to a number of studios um I think it was Fleet Fleetway, um, yeah. but um, they they now own the IPs for these things. But they don't want to be proactive about it. I think they seem to want to wait for people to come to them. Oh, we see that Dread. We know we want to move on from the nineteen ninety five Dread. We want to do another one. Great. Duncan Jones has turned up and said he wants to write a script for Rogue Trooper. Okay, good. Do it. All right why have i not got you banging on the door of people going you really should make a zenith film or is that zenith- zenith- you think that if the boys sells it might piss make off grant
1: the- morrison but i mean you yeah know, but no i mean zenith is, is amazing i mean yeah. that's another thing i sort of grew up on
0: you know and you know i mean you know, it's incomplete but like you got halo jones right you know, there's IPs out absolutely. This uh, this book has got that much stuff. Bring the creators back. Let them be involved. Do the yeah. right thing. You Throw saw what
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, I love. Uh, well, I won't say I love. It. It's a very mixed bag. But uh, you know, Tarkovsky's Primal.
0: Uh, mm,
1: mm. Well, I'm I'm the biggest fan of uh, Flesh. Um, yeah, you know you know i mean that might not sustain a series but you can do that as a movie do it silent you know Do just you know dinosaur devouring dinosaur devouring stuff i mean you know i and that strip is something that struggled in 2000 ad with several revivals but um you know uh i could easily see succeeding and you know i, I don't know about the politics of, of rebellion um you know, except what I've read largely in 2018 Mm -hmm. and magazine, but, um, but, you know, uh, it seems to me that it's not that expensive these days to do an animated series or two. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially if you keep costs down, you know, and you don't hire the big name celebrities to do voice acting, you know, which, you know, probably an animated Judge Dredd or Rogue Trooper doesn't need uh, Will Ferrell, okay? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't see why these different, um, whether it's the B, I I mean, obviously the BBC has a special relationship with the with the government and everything and is constrained in certain respects. But when it comes to Rebellion and, and other British IP holders, um, you know, I don't see why the Marvel method of... Getting Alone uh, and, you know, using that to finance, say, three animated miniseries or something, um, you know, of eight episodes, 10 yeah. episodes each or something like that, um, that would seem very doable and something mm. that probably, you know, you're going to be able to probably pre-sell with, um, you know, Netflix or Amazon or, or an outlet like that.
0: Yeah, and again, like you said, the, the the IP doesn't have to be massively known. You know, the boys was a pretty small independent comic, you know, for a long time. You know how many? You know, I can guarantee you, its sales now, since the TV show, are going to be a hell of a lot higher than it ever was before. You know, it, even right. when it was being released, um, and, and probably the same with Invincible. You know, these things. You know, the, the people are aware of them. And the thing in my head, I keep thinking of, like, you know, um, um, is sort of Nemesis the Warlock. You know, it's got a really distinctive look. Um, Kevin McNeil, that's it, Kevin McNeil art. Have him doing, you know, have not, not not do the animation, but try and maintain a little bit of that that art style in the animation and then have, you know, introduce that world with Torquemada and, and Nemesis mm-hmm. the Warlock. And people would laugh that, they're like, sorry, this is a comic. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is a comic. This is how weird. <laughs> and you know, like this, this critique of of conservative government in the eighties does go as far as being a, a, a fascist underground society. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know I, I don't know why these British IPs stall so much. Part of it, think part of me does think it's it's um not insecurity. That's the wrong word. But like I think you know it's scope. We're a bit like oh well, we're fine we're fine we've got it on the BBC and you know we'll leave it at that sort of thing but again like you say like you know look at harry potter or Mm. ed Ed, the edgar um cornetto trilogy Mm.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. like you you can't get anything more fundamentally british in many ways than sort of like you know shore of the dead hot fuzz and and you know the world's end Mm -hmm. world's end is about a pub crawl in a small british village like you know, it, they are really small scope sort of British films, but they they are massive. I mean, granted they are well written and well acted and, and you know very well made films, but there's that fundamental Britishness that just seems to sort of succeed. Um, uh, you know, especially in the states at times when it, when it's done right. Don't know why it doesn't it doesn't get done. But good Omens, Amazon did Good Omens. Oh yeah, and quite and good was, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. enjoyed that a lot.
0: And that was incredibly British. That's Terry Pratchett oh, yeah. and Neil Gaiman. You can't, you know. That's again. I, I don't know why. I don't know why there's not some of these things just that you know don't get picked up. Um, and again, if you were to talk to people that are already in at that that level, if you were to say to Edgar Wright or Neil Gaiman or Neil Marshall, Duncan Jones, these people we've all mentioned, and say to them. Um, when i look at some of these ips from 2000 ad or we found this thing quater mass what do you think i'm pretty sure they'd all be like oh no yeah pretty sure they'll be aware of at least some of them you know they would be going oh no you should really go do this if you liked game of thrones you should read slain you know <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing if you thought game of thrones wasn't violent enough <laughs> we have
1: the ip for you
0: <laughs> yeah I, 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 I don't know. It it all just feels a little bit, you know,
1: conservative or or keep the, keep the turtle keeping its head in the shell a little,
0: a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only explanation I can ever give it. Yeah. I mean, there is a sort of like
1: small market syndrome. I mean, and I Mm. see this with like, it's certainly true with, with French stuff where, you know, I mean, we, we did Valerian last season, you know, and, and there's a lot of French stuff. I mean, when is Meta Baron's going to be turned into anything, mm. right? Um, you know, and so there is this sort of feeling. I mean, this is true of, of like Japanese stuff. Although in Japan, there's a big market for uh, manga and anime. So you can afford to do that stuff and for films based on this stuff. So you can afford to do that. But that stuff is generally made for the Japanese market
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: exported later. There's the cliche of like Japanese IP holders never even considering any market outside of Japan and sometimes letting stuff go for peanuts and not even taking action against like massive piracy because they're like, well, that doesn't count. It's outside of Japan. (laughs) (laughs) We have no market there, Um, which obviously, you know, it's less true in some cases like, you know, Bandai, But um, but, uh, you know, I think there is a sort of like small market syndrome sort Mm. of thing of how do we adapt this you know and and then part of the problem is when you do get this stuff um you know get some american funding usually or get some hollywood money or amazon money you know it gets adapted a little too much right Mm. Uh, which i think is too often the case you know um i was like well this is interesting but you know (laughs) Well, I mean, that was the case with the first Judge Dredd movie, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, we love this IP, but you got to understand we're selling this to America. You know? yeah. And I think one of the great advantages of this sort of um, era that we're in, especially in, in terms of television and streaming, is that there's, no such, there's almost no such thing as anything that's not a niche market. And those niche mm. markets are way more profitable than they were in the past. Mm. And so... You can take something and not uh, castrate it, not make it, you know, American and and have it succeed on its own terms. And if anything, it's going to stand out better because it is British and different.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, I think we've now got to a point where we are acclimatized and um, (laughs) vaccinated towards weirdness. You know, there was a period when you were like, "Oh, you were never gonna see," you know, Doom Patrol is the last IP you were gonna <laughs> see as a TV show, and all of a sudden it's got two seasons, and they're good. You know, they're they're good, and they're weird. And then on Netflix, on, yeah, on Netflix, you get like Stranger Things and The Umbrella Academy, and then you've got Swamp Thing appearing elsewhere, and and um, the Boys. You say, yeah, you know, we are we are sort of used to this level of violence and weird where we go oh no, no, that's what this you know you meet it on its on its terms like it's not going to meet you on your you know it's just going to come at you and you either accept it or you don't and you know, a lot of people I mean, are willing to do that now
1: one of the key things with 2000 ad i mean this sounds pejorative and i don't mean it that way is accepting tastelessness all right yeah. <laughs> just accepting the pulp you know um you know, obviously people, you know, Pat Mills and so many other creators are, are thoughtful, intelligent people. Mm. But there's a popiness of just like, no, 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 let it be violent. Let it be yeah. raw. <laughs> let it be that it's in your face. Don't try to paper it over and make it acceptable. And so you're right about weirdness. Um, I was thinking to get back to to Quatermass. So if, yeah, the- <laughs> if, assuming that the BBC, I mean, we're look, we could talk all day about, yeah. you know, what rebellion should do. I mean, we could do that as a short, you know, but, um, you know, with uh, with if the BBC really does own the rights, I mean, you know, if nothing else. I mean, I don't know how you'd feel about, like, using Doctor Who as a backdoor pilot or something. Mm. I mean, every Doctor Who spinoff, with the exception of Torchwood, which I'm a, a big fan of. But I admit is very uneven. You know, there's this every Doctor Who spinoff basically fails, Mm. and in the last ten years they've tried several, all of which kind of like are a little uneven and struggle and ultimately get canceled. Um, It would seem like I mean the tone of this is different than you know than Doctor Who, but it would seem like the BBC has. I mean, you know, I've got a BBC channel you now, <laughs> you know, I mean, I have for five, six years or something. Um, it would seem like there's an audience for this and there's a built in vehicle, even if it's not Doctor Who. I mean, I, 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 I've watched humans and you haven't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, there's an audience for this stuff. There's a channel for this stuff. You could even piggyback it some way
0: into Doctor Who. Oh no! Definitely, like Quatermass isn't is an IP, you know, as a as a character, you could easily introduce uh, in in Doctor Who, you know. Um, again, like you know, you, you you have him as an you know have it as a gateway thing, where like you know he, he has been mentioned weirdly uh, at least twice, not by court, no not not being called Quatermass. Mm. Um, but being called Bernard, uh, or you know, um and which is obviously a nod. And I think they do it in, in the classic who and they've done it in, in New Who as well. Um and um um so you know, there's a clear acknowledgement, but you, you could easily do that. Like is it in, a, in an episode where he doesn't even have to be a main character, like you know, a secondary character where you would want to set him up so you probably would have to have him as a part of the main the story, but you know he helps the doctor, um, and and then an acknowledgement. You know off. You know with, with you know Quatermass goes off, and the doctor saying that how excited she is now that like I got to meet Bernard Quatermass. <laughs> you know if you think I've you know if you think I've done amazing things, you wait till you find out what he gets up to, sort of thing. You know, <laughs> like and then you get oh, what the what the what the hell does he get up to? Like you know, it's like if the Doctor... <laughs> The Doctor is endorsing him as a known historical figure in mm. this fictitious world. Like, yeah, have him go off then. Because, again, like, the events of Quater, the Quatermass films mm. mm-hmm. don't... Um, they wouldn't impact on the canon of Doctor Who. Because then you, you go off and you go, OK, well, we, I can't destroy the world. You know, I can't fundamentally change anything away from this... this you know sort of futurist realism because the doctor's always got to exist and be able to visit this time period that's fine but if you look at the shows yeah all right we, he sends up a rocket comes back it's in, you know a person's infected that's that could well be a doctor who story and then mm-hmm. you go through them and even this realization that actually maybe not all but a part of the population is seeded by aliens and stuff mm-hmm. still works it still sits in it and you know these events, you know they're all resolved. They don't end the world, so yeah, I uh, I, I, I honestly think that you know it could work. I think he, in fact it would probably the best way to do it is to introduce him as a as a you know as a um, that would be the probably the most successful way for the BBC to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd I'd love someone in the BBC to hear this. Never going to happen, but you never know. <laughs> Might get an email. That's uh, 20 geek well, at gmail.com, just in case anyone's listening. Um, well, I mean... I rebellion, it's a, it's there a, you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, these are... Look, these are brilliant. Look, basically, all we are saying is BBC, call Scott, put <laughs> Scott in charge of both the Quatermass property and Doctor Who, <laughs> uh, you know, and call Julian and, you know, uh, Scott, we will... Together, manage all of Rebellion's IP for them. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not asking a lot here. Um, you know, but I, I, look, I love your your six-season plan. This is the kind of, like, love for Mass. It's due. Uh, I'm sold. I'm, you know, a Yank who, who hadn't heard of Mass before, you know, Mass in the pit. In fact, it, it took me, like, a year to stop calling him quarter mass yeah <laughs> uh,
0: so you know just with well, force of the word quarter uh, just getting in my getting back to the films so we will wrap up it it seems to have t- uh, it seems to have taken Brian Dunlevy quite a while as well because he can never determine how he says it at one point it's Qua mass another point it is it's, it's quimus and he can't seem <laughs> to see it he really struggles with that name well, um, I Looking at
1: a couple of things, looking at Wikipedia, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the scholarly source uh, par excellence. Um, first of all, interesting fact. I mean, there's dispute about Don Levy being drunk during yes, production,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. And,
1: you know, some of the accounts are quite funny uh, of, you know, him saying, looking at cue cards and saying, that's too many words. <laughs> you know, which I don't know how much I believe it's disputed. The other thing that's fascinating is, uh, apparently Quatermass 2 was the first sequel to have a number in it it is yes that's staggering I mean yes. so all, we live in the era of sequels and reboots right 90% of everything you know is some sort of reboot or sequel every time you see that too it started here folks yes
0: the BBC yeah so there you go i I forgot to mention that yes that is that's true it was um it was accredited to somebody something else but it was determined that came out at least two years later so actually yeah quatermass 2 is the first sequel to use a a numeral in in its title um yeah anyway getting back to that then so uh drunk drunk dunleavy or not um what were your final thoughts then on quatermass 2 I think it's
1: quite enjoyable. I don't know whether I like this better or, or uh, less than the first. I like mm-hmm. uh, the hit the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see why you chose that. Um, it stays in my memory. You know, I, f- I have trouble remembering basic elements of the plot of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to sort of like figure it out uh, or look it up. But uh, that third one sticks in my head. Uh, the, you know, the the pod of the ship in the on the underground sticks in my head. And of course that climax is fantastic. The cathedral climax in one is good. Um, but I, I I think the climax is is weak in this. <clears throat> Having said that, I love the action and I love the mystery. And I think that, you know, while the mystery, you know, is a little weak with this mark on the face and stuff, this black goo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's other like, I mean, it's hard to beat. This is my moon base. <laughs> <laughs> you know, set up. That's a great, 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 great. You know, I mean, if that's the end of an, the first installment of a 2008 serial, you are very happy. Right. That's mm-hmm. a fantastic cliffhanger for um, a, an episode. So I quite liked it. And, and through mo- most of it, I thought, I think I like this better than the first uh ultimately i don't know but i do really like the action and i do really like aspects of the mystery what about you
0: no the same i, I definitely like this more than the first i think the, the, the first one has a very specific tone uh, and is, is going for something this this is slightly darker um, and it, it seems more involved in what it wants to do so you know, the first one's quite small it's got a very small cast this one's willing to go out, and it's you know it's got a whole village of people that are involved, and the fact that you know, the sort of inter, um, interweaving of government bureaucracy—it it all sounds bo- to say that it sounds boring, but it's not. I, I love all that <laughs> stuff. This mystery the fact that it goes up to the highest levels of government and stuff, and it, you know, it, it feels like the X Files at times. But, you know that <clears throat> that thing of sort of you know being brought into it, but then like you say, the guy getting covered in the black goo. And, and dying at quatermass's feet um and then and, and then like you say the gun battle at the end and this idea of people being pulped and forced into a into uh-huh. a pipe this is really sort of you know they're really wanting to grab you by the collar a bit more and be like no, no look we're doing something darker uh, and it succeeds you know i enjoy it <clears throat> the one thing i was is i agree <clears throat> the climax is weaker <clears throat> it, it sort of just ends you know and i'm 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 left thinking hang on a minute you've just left this mass of black stuff laying over the sort of british countryside what happens next like you know there's got to be some sort of and i think that's the thing of if films of this era they just sort of end a little bit mm. but I, don't, I do i do really enjoy this film i agree uh, quasimous in the pit is definitely superior um, as a, as a series and a film um, yeah you know, nigel Neal got better and better um but I do, and I do recommend this. I do recommend this. Go out, you know. Don't forget, this. all these films have been black and white, so you know you have to accept that. But um, yeah, it's good. It's good fun. It's really good fun. I really enjoyed watching this one. So um, I'm glad we've been able to do the Quatermass trilogy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I was thinking earlier. um... I think like technically Quatermass accounts for like almost a 10th of all the movies we've done. (laughs) 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 It's totally ridiculous. Um, I would say one additional criticism of this film is that I like what you were saying about bureaucracy, but I want to see a member of the Royal family, preferably the queen infected. Uh, You know, I mean, and that you can do it as a cliffhanger, but you know, I mean, you know, the Doctor Who, some of my favorite stuff uh, was the uh, the prime minister, Mm. Uh, you know, uh, the master is the prime minister.
0: So, you know, if they if they dare do it, uh, we uh, uh, you'd have that as the final you'd have that as the final series cliffhanger would be, um, you know, he gets to meet the queen to be thanked. For saving the country and the you know the Commonwealth and all that sort of stuff, and then as she sort of like shakes his hand or something, you'd see the mark on her wrist, and you'd be like, "Oh my God, it's still there's another asteroid." <laughs> yeah. Ew. Never mind. I burned myself on something. Yeah. <laughs> bitten by a corgi. She was bitten by a oh. corgi. Um, yeah. No, I think that, you know there's so much we can do with this, and we've said like you know what should be done with not just Quatermass but British IPs um but yeah i've really enjoyed this and this is the only one where i think we've done an original and the sequel so we say it makes up a 10th but this is also the first sort of like full series we've done within uh the the the, the main seasons so i've really enjoyed that um but yeah but yeah there we go that's quatermass so we've done quatermass one two and three so go back and find the others you'll you'll definitely enjoy them um but next on the next episode we're finishing out the final film of our 50s sci-fi uh block and uh we, we're going to be changing tone again we're going for, you know, so instead of going for british ip we're going for a william castle film um the vincent price starring the tingler uh, from 1959 um and we are recording this as of the on the 16th of may uh, and so uh just to point out that the, this is actually in may is, is vincent price's 110th birthday um this month so we will be doing sort of like celebrating this year with doing the tingler which is one of the films that really reignited his career in the late 50s um so looking forward to that i've got a special edition blu-ray and uh i just don't we... know how
1: uh, why why did they look in my nightstand drawer and make a movie about that
0: <laughs> yeah. oh it's a real shocker for 59 yeah <laughs> i can't believe can't believe this was released
1: <laughs> yeah if you thought uh rated x was not uh, enough for you just wait till you see vincent price you know when when you hear the the motor of that vibrator start you <laughs> know you're in trouble
0: yeah you think you're joking this 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 had uh, uh, electrified vibrating seats in cinemas oh, as wow. part of william castle's uh setup so We'll have to talk about that
1: next time. But I, I love those, like, smell-o-vision and uh, all of that whole era of trying to make movies not just 3D, but more uh, sensory uh, in some
0: way. We will, we'll talk about it on the next episode. But uh, as always, if you want to get in contact, if you've got any, any comments or questions or anything about the films we've talked about or any of the proposals we've made, you know, um, if you're the director of the BBC or the CEO <laughs> of Rebellion, happily get in contact with us you can reach us at uh, on uh, at pod time space on twitter or if you do want to email us you can email us at 20th century geek 20th century geek at uh, gmail.com and uh, we will happily talk about any of the films that we uh, have uh, we've watched and reviewed and uh, we've got some awesome stuff coming up in the future as well so uh, sit back relax and enjoy it and uh, julian uh, I'll, I'll speak to you in the next episode
1: streams.